So before I came to Outward, I've, I've been at Outward for about 14 years, in, it, most of that time in Salem, uh, now a little bit more out here, but before I came to Outward, I was a part of another church. I've been there for about five years, and some of you may uh, kind of resonate with this feeling, but uh, I, was, I was at the church almost every Sunday. I would help out, even I helped with the greeters, you know, once in a while. Uh, I played drums a little bit with the band. I would, I would call myself a Christian, uh, but that which happened on Sunday was fairly isolated from what happened the rest of the week. Uh, and certainly as we're looking at this passage in 2 Timothy about God's Word, which is, which is this here, the Scriptures, uh, His Bible, as as we, we talk about that, my only time in God's Word was on Sunday. Uh, whatever the preacher happened to be teaching, uh, that, that's, I would, I would see it there. Actually, I didn't look in the paper word. They put it on the screens, and that was helpful, and that's all I needed. Uh, and, and, and that was kind of the, the end of it. And then things got, got really rough for me. I went through what, what I would describe as the toughest period in my life where this kind of shallow, um, you know, uh, weakened frame that, that was my faith, whatever that was, it, it got absolutely rocked to the core. And I felt like I'm done with you, God, right? I showed up once a week, and now things are getting hard in my life. I don't think you've held up your side of the bargain, okay? I was there every Sunday. Isn't that the deal? Uh, and... You know, play drums once in a while. What more could you possibly want from me, God? Uh, and I was, I was so angry that God was allowing my life to fall apart in the, just these really, uh, you know, rough ways uh, without getting into all of that. I ended up leaving that church in the midst of that, left that church because uh, of, of some of the people that were there and I just needed some distance. And, and I was determined to just walk away from church altogether. I was, I was fine with that. But God brought into my life a good friend, a guy actually that I had grown up with, uh, who we were not close up until this point in time, but God just laid it on his heart to kind of seek after me, and he said, hey, there's a new church, it's meeting downtown Salem, uh, this guy Matt Porter is, is uh, you know, teaching and, and playing worship and stuff, uh, I think we ought to go check it out together. I thought, wow, that's fine. Uh, again, not, not real intent on sticking anywhere, but I thought, hey, you know, what could it hurt? I go to Outward, and I see something different going on there. Uh, I, I just see something different. The first thing that caught me was, was the worship. Uh, and, and even having been, you know, playing drums on a worship team, and, and this has very little to do about that other church. I'm not, I think they're great people. I, I think they're trying to do the Lord's work. But my heart was not there. My heart was not in it, right? But I show up at, at Outward, and people are passionately worshiping Jesus. Sunday, back then it was Sunday nights. Uh, Sunday night, we didn't have a morning service yet. Uh, but Sunday night, man, people are passionately worshiping Jesus. And I thought, I've never seen this before. I've never felt this before. There's something different going on here. And then the preacher gets up, and he starts talking. And he, he's opening God's word... And, and what was different for me is instead of saying, today we're going to teach on fear, and then let me show you a couple of Bible verses about fear, which is a fine thing to do. I am, by the way, doing a topical sermon today, <laughs> so uh, that's okay once in a while. But, but 
you know, it's like open up to Luke. We're in chapter whatever, in verse whatever, and we're just going to walk our way through this. And I'd never seen that before or experienced that. And it was less about, um, you know, how can God's word help me in this way? And it was more about just what does God's word say? And what I, what really struck me about Outward was that this was a, this was a people, this was a church who held God's word in high regard. Now there's, you know, 14, 15 years have gone by, uh, and still Outward holds God's word in high regard. And I hope and I pray that every day that we are a church, we hold God's word in high regard. The day we stop doing that is the day we should stop doing church. God's word must be held in high regard. And now, here we are in Silverton, right? Kind of once again, this new church meeting, uh, you know, out here at at the farm. Um, We hold God's word in high regard. It doesn't matter where the church meets. And I know Brandon is, is preaching in Salem today right now, if, if he made it to, <laughs> to Salem uh, on his ice skates or whatever. But like he, uh, he's there, and I know and I trust Brandon is preaching out of a high regard for God's word. And I'm going to do the same this morning. In fact, that, I mean, that's the very thing I want to talk about because this is, it's different and it's significant and, and this has to be one of the things that no matter what we do and where we go, where we may plant churches, where we may gather in community groups, uh, what building we may land in, one thing needs to never change, and that is how we hold God's word. That needs to be the same, and it needs to be of utmost importance. Now, this is a topical sermon, which we don't typically do. What, what we typically do is expository preaching or expositional preaching, where we take a book of the Bible, we walk through chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and we see, what does God's word have to say for me? I think that's important that we do that, because there's a lot of topics I wouldn't choose to teach in the Bible. It's full of them. I would be fairly selective. I could probably come up with 52 sermons on easy passages, and we just rotate uh, throughout the year. But, but when, we, when we approach God's Word and we say, what does it have to say to us, we're going we're gonna to tackle some hard things, and we're going to tackle some easy things. We're going to tackle some things that challenge us. We're going to tackle some things we may not like at all. But when we allow God's Word to instruct us, there's something really significant. There's something really great going on. So this, this verse, this has been on my mind, um, the, the reason we're doing kind of this topical sermon, we're, we're taking a, a week off, we didn't know it was going to snow, but we thought we'll take a break from Luke with the Christmas holiday, you know, holiday a lot of people are traveling and out of town and things like that, so we don't want anybody to miss anything really great in Luke, uh, so I'll just punt and fill, some, no I'm kidding, uh, this is going to be good too, but we, we wanted to keep, you know, next week we'll pick back up in Luke, we're going to keep going. Um, but, you know, I kind of had, you know, Matt and, and Brandon and Tim, we were all talking. It's like, all right, let's just pick something, anything. What's on your heart? And what's on my heart right now uh, is it, just the significance of God's word, how good it is, how rich it is. I, um, uh, I, I've read through the entirety of the Bible a, a few times. Uh, I'm just completing a, a one-year Bible reading plan. Uh, I've just got a few days left. Uh, I'm going to finish on December 31st with, with another read-through. And so it's just on my mind, and I'm excited. I'm actually more excited uh, for January 1st to start again. Uh, I'm excited to get right back in it and keep going. 
because it's just, man, my eyes this year have been open to so much uh, beauty in God's word, just, just layers deeper than I've ever gone before. And I'm excited to keep going deeper and deeper, to keep going back to God's word. And, and so with, with all of that on my mind, I'm just thinking, man, I want to encourage our people to love God's word. I want to encourage our people to be in God's word. Uh, and, and you're all the ones that showed up on a snowy day, so uh, you're <laughs> like the definition of preaching to the choir right now, right? Uh, but, you know, I, I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you read the Bible every day. I don't know if you have a, a, a quiet time or, or Bible reading time daily that puts me to shame. I'm sure uh, many of you probably do because I've got a long, long ways to go. But I just like, I love God's word. It is, it is so good. And I just want us as a church to be so rooted in God's word uh, that, that we're rooted in God himself and, and we're passionately pursuing that. So let's just look at this passage here. 2 Timothy 3.16, if you've got a real Bible, please open it. That's so good. Bibles on the phone are great. Audio Bibles are great. The screens are great. But, but the real paper Bible, there's, nothing beats it. 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And the man of God there could actually be translated the, the messenger of God. Um, this, is, this is not just men. This is men, women. This is anyone who would carry God's message that the messenger of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So let's start here. First of all, what is, uh, what is the word of God? He tells us four things uh, about God's word, or, or I'll, I'll break, kind of break it down in this way. Number one, it's breathed out by God breathed out by God. This is not an ordinary book. This is unlike any other book in all of history. Of all the books that have been written in all of the world, in all of the languages, this book is different, namely because it is breathed out by God. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is, is God himself, God the Holy Spirit, has worked through each and every author to pen each and every word just as it is. This is significant. This is not like any other book. Uh, it's not like any history book. It's not like any uh, fiction book. Uh, or, or, or it's, it's significant and unique because God has breathed his very word into this. Um, God, God, he's revealed himself to us in this way. He's not created the world as, as some would teach and as some would have us believe. God, some sort of unknown God out there in the universe, created things, started things, and then left us on our own to grope in the dark to try to figure out what is truth and, and what is false, uh, what is the meaning and significance of life, uh, why am I here, what am I to do, where am I going? These are the big questions we have in life. And some would say that, that God, if there is one, is out there somewhere, started things off and just left us on our own. No, God has revealed himself to us in many ways, most significant, I think, by breathing into this word, by, by uh, dictating and, and, and guiding what all the words of Scripture would be. This is why we hold it in such high regard. You may know this, you may not know this, but um, the Bible in its entirety, it's made of 66 books written by about 40 authors spanning about 2,000 years of time from the, from the first to the last there. Uh, 
However, through those 40 authors in those 66 books, what we have is uh, one Holy Spirit, one God who has uh, put this story together, this one story. We have one God building and making for us one story that tells us of one Savior, which is Jesus. From Genesis, the very first book that tells us of ancient history, all the way through Revelation, the entirety of the Bible and all these different books are telling one story. They're all pointing us to Jesus. They're all telling us about Jesus, who is the one way we can be saved. That, that is the, the scriptures, uh, the Bible in a nutshell. Second uh, Peter 1.20, let me jump over there real quick here. 2 Peter 1.20, Peter says uh, this, he's, he's, we're going to take this out of context a little bit, but he's giving some instructions to the church, and he's talking about Scripture. Uh, verse 20, we're kind of jumping in mid-thought. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. It's one of the rare points in Scripture where, uh, where we kind of have Scripture telling us about the formation of Scripture. I think it's kind of neat. Uh, Peter's telling us that no prophecy, no, no biblical text has ever come from the mind of man, but he's just delivering what he's been given by God as ca- kind of carried out by the Holy Spirit. So that's, that's first and most significant here uh, is that the, the Scripture is breathed out by God. Number two... It's, it's profitable, right? All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable. Spending time in the Scriptures is, is not a waste of time. Uh, there's a lot of things we do that are a waste of time. Uh, there's a, a great number of them. Uh, I was just talking to Nate just a few minutes ago. Uh, we were talking about video games uh, with, with one of our young guys back here. And, and video games are awesome. I love video games. Uh, <laughs> But now as an adult and having a job, like, my opportunity to play a video game is very, very seldom, uh, and it's about three minutes before the kids interrupt me or something, right? It's just like, it's not a profitable use of time. We all know that. It's it's a great waste of time. Another great waste of time is is movies. I love movies. I absolutely love movies. Love watching movies. Uh, Just, I love story in any form I can get it. Uh, Love going to watch a movie. Complete waste of time. Right? We can acknowledge that. Going to watch a movie, complete waste of time. That's okay. It's okay to waste time sometimes. I, I, think, I think that's fine. We, we can recreate and we can have some, some fun and, and you know, kind of be transported to another world. But when we spend time in God's word, it is not a waste of time. No matter how long we spend in the scriptures, studying the scriptures, it is not a waste of time. There's, there's no ability to waste our time when we go to God's word and we seek earnestly after uh, God and, and who he is and what he has for us. Um, there's, you've probably heard this, it's, it's so cheesy, but uh, I, I, I tell my kids this sometimes, right? A, a Bible that is falling apart typically belongs to a life that isn't, right? This is a brand, brand new Bible. I had to get a larger print because I can't read it up here. Uh, I'll just confess that. Uh, but my, so this one, I got to break this one in yet. But if we're in the Bible all the time, we're carrying it around, we're reading it, we're, we're flipping pages, they get roughed up, right? 
the covers get scuffed and falling apart. My, my other Bible I have at home, it's, it's literally got some, some tape holding it together and some things. I've, I've had it for a long time. My wife gave it to me when we started dating. Uh, and, and, you know, over that period of time, it's getting, it's getting rough. It's falling apart. I look forward to handing that to one of my kids uh, at some point. We have four daughters, so I, I need to, like, get this one and rough it up a little bit. I got two more to go. <laughs> I need to spend a lot of time in the Scriptures to pass down four Bibles that are roughed up. But I... Like when we're spending time in the Bible, uh, when our Bibles are falling apart, it's because we're, we're seeking after God, and that generally will point to a life that's not falling apart, right? As cheesy as that is, I think there's truth to that. So it's profitable. It's profitable to spend our time in God's Word, and he says it's profitable for what? For teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. So the, these first two, teaching and reproof, they, they both have to do with our doctrine, and then, and then the second one's there, correction and training in righteousness have to do with our actions. So we have one that has to do with our understanding, or, or two that have to do with our understanding, and two that have to do with our actions, and kind of how we live and, and what the outworking of God's word is doing in our life. We, we have those two sides of it. Um, it it's, it's profitable for teaching because one of the things that we need to know is that truth is not found inside us, and truth is not fluid. This is the, the great lie of our day, that truth is found within and that truth is fluid, right? It is whatever, my, my truth is my truth and your truth is your truth and we can coexist with all our truths even though they contradict and conflict with one another, but somehow truth is fluid so it all works out. That, it doesn't work that way. It, 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 that makes no sense. There's no logic in that. Uh, truth does not come from within. Truth comes from without. Truth is, is outside of ourselves, and truth is not fluid. It is fixed. Uh, a true fact is a true fact regardless of how I feel about it. Right? Truth is a fixed object, and what the Scriptures do is they help point us toward that truth. They help us to know and understand that which is fixed and has been fixed from the beginning. And then we can correct our thinking to align with what is true as we seek after God in his word, right? This makes sense. It is profitable for teaching. It is profitable for reproof and correction are the next two. And these are really the negative and the positive, right? That They're paired together. I want to talk about these together because we have reproof and correction that God reproves us and says, no, it's not like this, but it, it corrects us as well. God doesn't just say, no, it's not like that. No, stop doing that. He says, no, stop doing that. It's like this, right? No, that's incorrect. That's not consistent with truth, but this is how we live that's consistent with truth. He gives us both sides. He says, God, God reproves us and he corrects us. Don't, don't do that. That leads to destruction. Do this. It leads to life. Right? It reproves and it corrects us. It, it guides us and, and leads us. Uh, Matt Chandler says on, on this topic, he says, church is a dangerous hobby because as you hear through preaching or song or the Bible, you become accountable to what you've heard. You must be a doer of the word and not just a hearer. That comes from James uh, 1, 22 and, uh, through 24, I think. Um, that that we, we are called to be doers of the word. We can't sit here in church hearing truth 
through, through the songs that Ryan sings, they, they declare, Ryan and, and the rest of the worship team work uh, carefully to choose songs which declare truth consistent with God's word. And we hear that truth sung and we sing it together to remind ourselves of the things of God. And we hear the preaching of the word and when we go to the Bible and we read it, we're now accountable to those things. That's why he says it's a dangerous hobby. I, I love that. That's convicting. Right? We can't, just, we can't just come and casually hear the truth of God and then not let it correct our, our actions, our behavior, our thinking, our understanding of who God is, of who Jesus is, and what he does for us. And it's profitable for training in righteousness. This, too, has to do with our actions. It trains us in righteousness. Righteousness is, is the, the right things, right? The the the. the the way God would have us live, righteousness uh, that, that we are able to live out is like a, a shadow or an echo of what, uh, of what God is. He, he is fully and completely righteous. Uh, and so as we desire to follow God and know God, we want to pursue righteousness. We want to become more righteous. We want to be uh, more in line with what God has for us. And God's word is good for training us in that righteousness. What else would we turn to for training in righteousness? Even if we are in uh, you know, a, a discipleship group or a community group, we hope that that would train us in righteousness as we go to God's word together. right? It's God's word that is the tool for training us in righteousness. And as we, as we train in righteousness, I want to be careful and I want to say this, I want to make sure we're always saying this, the way to God is not through righteous behaviors. There is a way to go to God's word, to, to seek after a list of rules so that I can make myself righteous and God will accept me. There is a way to do that and it is completely wrong. It is completely missing the point that all of Scripture teaches us that we cannot be righteous in and of ourselves. We cannot make ourselves right before God. It's impossible. There's too much wrong about us. We are too wrecked by sin. We are too stained by that which has already been done by us and to us. We cannot be right with God apart from his gospel, which is also found in his word, right? The gospel is that Jesus came, lived the perfect righteous life in my place, that he died on the cross, the death that I deserve, that he did not deserve, that he died in my place for my sins. He takes my sinfulness to the cross and he, he dies with it and he gives me his righteousness if I'll believe in him. And then Jesus rose from death validating his claims that he has power over death and sin. And if we follow him, he gives us that righteousness, and then we are right with God, right? So we need to understand that, and I want to make sure that, that nothing I say is, is I talk about pursuing and training in righteousness. We don't miss the point that first we need to know Jesus. Our, our heart needs to be right, First of all, right? Our heart needs to be right. We need to be pursuing Jesus. We need, to, we need to be submitting to him and saying, Jesus, I bring nothing to the table. I am unrighteous. I am sinful. I am wrecked and I am ruined if not for you. And when our heart's right, then we can start getting our minds right as we seek after God's word through biblical teaching and reading, reading the Bible and all these things. We start to get our mind right. And then as our hearts are right and our minds are right, our actions start to become right. 
right? That's that training in righteousness working its, its way out. It starts in the heart, it moves to the mind, and it works out to our hands. If we try to go the other way, it's not going to work. We can't start with our hands and try to do more righteous things and hope that it makes its way back into our heart. People have been trying that for thousands of years and it doesn't work. We, we've got to start with the heart and let it work out from there, right? Um, God's, God's word, it's God-breathed. It's God uh, I'm just reminding you of my points here. It's God-breathed. It's profitable in all those ways. And it equips us. Uh, I, I, thought this was, uh, I thought this was interesting. Um, Jesus in Luke 4, if you can remember all the way back to Luke 4, uh, Jesus is tempted by Satan at the beginning of his ministry. Jesus is about to embark on his ministry, his earthly ministry, uh, declare to people the good news, start the path that will ultimately end in his crucifixion. And at the beginning of all of that, he's tempted by Satan to walk away from, from all of it. Jesus knows, because Jesus is God, he knows what's coming, he knows how hard it's going to be. And Satan comes and tries to tempt him uh, and throw him off. And do you remember the story? Do you remember what happens? Uh, Satan leads Jesus out into the wilderness and he's tempting him away from his mission, away from truth. He's tempting him away from the purpose the Father set him to. And he's misquoting Scripture, right? Remember this? Satan is misquoting Scripture and trying to uh, uh, appeal to what he thinks Jesus may be pursuing. Do you remember how Jesus... Uh, do you remember how Jesus responds? He quotes scripture. Now Jesus, John tells us Jesus is the word of God. The word of God become flesh. Jesus is the word of God. Every time he speaks, it's scripture coming out, right? I, I, I had a, a mentor once tell me, uh, this in, in warning, I, I, was, I was a young Christian, I was an idiot, uh, still an idiot, I'm just older, uh, and, and you know, Jesus goes and he's hanging out with the tax collectors and the sinners and he's hanging out at this party and I'm like, Jesus liked the party, I can go to parties. And he's like, okay, th that's fine and all, but just remember that Jesus is the, the embodiment of the word of God speaking scripture as he goes and you're not. <laughs> so just keep that in mind, okay? Um, Jesus is Scripture made flesh, and the way he responds to the temptations of the devil is by quoting Old Testament scriptures from Deuteronomy. Even Jesus, in his time of need, leans heavily on the Word of God. I just think that's incredible. That's incredible. And what a warning it is to us, right? That in times of desperate need, when we would be tempted to walk away how much more than Jesus do we need to know our scriptures and lean into the truth of the scriptures to not be led astray? As my mentor said, I, like, we are not Jesus. <laughs> and even Jesus goes to scripture. We need to go to scripture all the more. Right? Um, as we go to the, the, the Bible, as we read it, as we get to know it, uh, it, it equips us because you'll read as you go through the Bible uh, if you've read large portions of the Bible, if you've read the whole thing, you know that it's like it's gritty, right? It's gritty and real, and there's portions of the Bible that are dark, that are hard to read. There's things that, if made into a, a movie, I would not let my kids watch, right? Like, and that's because the Bible is filled with real life. It it 
it, it doesn't try to sugarcoat hard things and real things and terrible things that happen in this life. But through that, we can be equipped well in our life because as I face gritty, hard, realistic uh, trouble in my life, I can go to God's word and see something that, that resonates with where I'm at, something that, that speaks to where I'm at. And you may also find, as it says in Hebrews 4.12, that, that uh, the word of God is it's living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword, right? It, it's not stale and stagnant, which you might think this, this book, which has been unchanged now for a couple thousand years almost, uh, you know, last added the, the, the books of the New Testament, and it has remained unchanged in this form. Well, isn't that stale? Isn't it old-fashioned? Or, or isn't it, um, you know, I can read it once and kind of be done with it. And that may be true of any other book in the world. You can read it once, you have a good memory, you kind of remember the story and the plot points, and, and you know, you go and you read it again, and it might be fun, uh, you know, a, a fun read to remind yourself of these things, but but that's it. But no, God's word, it's living and active. As I read through the Bible over and over, I read through some, some passages of the Bible, uh, I've read, I, I can't even tell you how many times, dozens and dozens of times. Uh, every time I approach it, it's, it's different, right? Because my life circumstances are different. I've got different things going on now. I'm, I'm raising four daughters with my beautiful wife, and the things that jump out at me now are different than the things that jumped out at me even just a few years ago. My needs are different, and God meets my needs through his word uh, in different ways. So God's word is very much living and active, uh, and, and in that it, it equips us in our time of need uh, differently, even though we go to it over and over and over again. That's why I said earlier, it, it, it's never a waste of time. We can read the Bible, and I hope to read the Bible many, many, many more times through in my life, uh, always finding fresh and useful information and truth in it. Uh, finally, I'll say this about equipping us. Uh, I, I had never thought about this. I, I heard this. This is also from Matt Chandler. But he says, those who trust the Lord, the Bible tells us those who trust the Lord, sleep. Isn't that good to know? Like, I, I, I don't know if anyone else has a hard time sleeping sometimes. I have nights that I have the hardest time getting to sleep. I'm stressed. I'm anxious. The, the older I've gotten, the harder it's gotten right? And, and I imagine that only continues. But like it, it gets hard to sleep sometimes because there's so many things pressing on my mind. There's so many things I'm concerned about and worried about. But those who trust in the Lord, those who know the Lord through his scriptures, sleep. They can rest. I, I, I was going to look up. I was like, I heard that. And I, I said, I, I've never really thought about that before. And I went to look up the, the verse. It's all over the place, like dozens of verses about how those who trust in the Lord find rest, peace, sleep, don't have to be anxious. That, that equips us well. Think of, think of the physical benefit, right? When we're anxious and, and missing sleep, when we feel like this inside because of all that is stressing us and worrying us, think, like that takes an actual physical toll on us. And when we can press into Jesus and know his peace, right, we can let that go. 
We can physically benefit by letting go of the stress and the anxiety that comes from uh, our own concerns. Isn't that incredible? That's so good. A good friend of mine, he's, he's not here, so I'll tell the story. <laughs> he's in Salem, it's fine. Uh, good, good friend of mine uh, has just, he just started reading the Bible for the first time in his entire life. Just started reading the Bible maybe a month ago. And I was just talking to him the other day, and he said, uh, he, he's been a very anxious guy, uh, does not like change, uh, does, does not like new things at work. Uh, new, like all of that stresses him out like to a, a great degree. I love risk and, and taking risk, and I love change, and, and so we, we're very different in this way. And I was just talking, like, hey, how, how you doing? You know, a lot of change, a lot of things coming. He said, you know what? Ever since I started reading the Bible, I just kind of feel like, I don't know, it's not that big a deal. Like, what? I mean, this is, this is a complete shift for this guy. This is, this is not consistent with his personality. He said, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm reading the Bible, and I'm seeing what God has to say, and I'm seeing that, you know, the things that I get all worked up about just aren't that significant in the grand scale of things. It seems like God kind of has a, a plan and he's kind of working these things out. I don't know. Like, if change comes, that's okay. I, I was floored. I was blown away to have, hear this conversation from him. Uh, and, and that comes from him knowing more about God today than he did, you know, uh, just a, a month ago. All right. Uh, let, let, me, let me just kind of wrap, wrap up with this. Um, Practical tips. I'm just going to get real practical. This will take two minutes. If you are not in a habit of reading the Bible all the time, here's some things that are helpful, okay? Number one, uh, Proverbs. The book of Proverbs, Old Testament, 31 chapters. Here's, here's a practice that I've been in for a long time, a chapter a day. If it is the 15th day of the month, go to Proverbs 15 and read that chapter. Super, most of them are about one column in your Bible. Real quick, real easy, super practical advice uh, that you can apply in your life that day. Really, really good. And every day of the week or every day of the month, you can go to Proverbs and, and read that. That has been a helpful tip for me. You shouldn't stop there. That's a great place to start. You can read Proverbs every day for the rest of your life and be so much wiser for it. That's a great place to start. Psalms is another one. My wife, Psalms right, right next to Proverbs, Old Testament. Uh, there's a bunch of them. They're, some of them are real short. Some are really long. Uh, my wife loves Psalms. When she doesn't know what to read, she goes to Psalms. She just finds peace and, and joy and encouragement in the book of Psalms. That's a great spot to go. You can read a Psalm. You can meditate on, on even one short Psalm all day long, and that is good for you. Um, that, that's a great spot to go. Here, here's something else helpful. If you read three chapters a day, you will get through the entire Bible in a year. That's pretty simple, right? Three chapters should take about 15 minutes, probably maybe 20 minutes. Uh, like that's a, short, uh, that's a short amount of time that will have a massive impact on your life. You don't have to do that. That's just, that's just can be, a, again, a helpful tip to get started. If you've never read the Bible before, never touched it, I would, I would recommend jump to the New Testament and go to John. Book of John is a wonderful place to start. You could also start in Luke. Luke's a great place to start. We've been teaching through that, so maybe you're a little bit familiar with it. Start in Luke 1, go through that. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those are all books about the life of Jesus. That's a really great place to get started, okay? Uh, and then the, my last little practical tip is uh, get, get in a community group. If you're not in a community group, I know we've got community groups starting out here and, and things like that. Like, get connected. Talk to us back there at the Connect Desk. Like, we want to get you in a community of people who are reading God's word together, 
that you can get together once a week or every couple of weeks, talk about what you're reading, the questions you have, the things you don't understand. There's no better place to do that than in a community group. So I just want to encourage you with that. Um, that that's all I got. Let me pray. Uh, we'll, we'll worship a little bit uh, more and, and we'll get out of here. Um, Father God, I love you and I love your word. God, I pray that, that uh, everyone in this room would have or develop a passion for your word. And God, would that, would that flame never burn out? Uh, Lord, your, your word contains life. It contains grace. It contains uh, all the things that we need to sustain us in our life. God, would you, uh, would you draw us into that? God, would you stir in us, Holy Spirit, stir in every one of us a desire to know you more by going to your word. God, we want to know you. We want to know your word. We want to read your word. Uh, We want to live according to your word. God, stir in us this, uh, this desire, this passion. God, let us know your peace that we can find only in you and in your word. Uh, Lord, we, we love you so much. We praise you and pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.